Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the flagship pod here on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. As always, I am your host, Colin. Still no Austin. Still on his hiatus. If anybody sees him, please, please let us know. We are getting a little bit worried at this point. But don't worry, guys. I'm not doing an hour and 45 minutes by myself. I am joined by our recruiting team here at Campus to Canton, the official guys at Alfred JF. Alfred, we got Matt at Big Wide Receiver Guy and David at Solving Football. Guys, really appreciate you coming on. It's very timely with early signing day just wrapping up here. Absolutely, man. We got um, not not a whole lot of shockers, but plenty to talk about, and it's always nice when things are final. Yeah, I mean, you guys wrapping up, uh, uh, well, not wrapping up because you still got National Signing Day, but putting uh, the first feather in your cap after a long recruiting season here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And early signing day has really become, it's almost like they should call what just happened National Signing Day and like the next one is like, you know, the scraps or something. I mean, it's going to (laughs) be, it's just, it's just a few people that, you know, prolong the the process but most especially most of the big name guys are are off the board well matt's got to be kind of offended here uh his guy aaron butler hasn't signed yet you're calling him scraps (laughs) come on not not intentional (laughs) no he is right though the the vast majority of guys are uh committed already he was a late decommit so just took a visit to arizona looking at there in washington maybe texas yeah, I saw what Texas just officially offered today. I think I saw that. So that would be exciting. Uh, I, I kind of rather the other spots. Just, uh, I mean, Washington would be there. awesome. Yeah. Arizona would be great. Washington would be great. Arizona, he would probably get some immediate time there. I mean, it's really Tet, McMillan, and they're losing cowing. So, yep. Yeah, I'd love that. All right. Well, we'll get into some early signing day recap here to start. Flip a couple flips um, that, at, towards the end there. We'll highlight some favorite classes. Talk about some early impact players, and then we'll break down some some wide receivers that we're worried about potentially being year one zeros. Obviously, a lot of time between now and then, but we'll see who you guys think potentially could be year one zeros. And then I got one question to wrap it up here that we've been getting a lot in the discord from a lot of members just kind of how to handle a certain situation and we'll highlight that one at the end here but as we get into some flips first uh, we'll start off with dylan rayola and that's one that you know we kind of had seen the momentum building up to that one leading into his official signing with nebraska decommitting from georgia he also decommitted from ohio state he's been to four high schools in four years uh, he had that beautiful, beautiful poem announcing that he's going to Nebraska. Uh, I like I say, I know you guys have talked to talk Dylan Rayola to death here, but are you guys fans of the move to Nebraska, or would you prefer to have stayed at Georgia? Uh, I, I can't. I don't think any of us are fans per se of the move. Uh, some of us uh, dislike it more than others. I'll say, and to me, it's not a, a big difference. Uh, just considering he's mostly a Debbie upside pick. Uh, I'm not really worried about the college production, even though even from the CFF side, it's really not that big a difference either. And uh, in this case, I would expect him to be able to start year one, or at least I would hope so, uh, considering the flip. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Austin uh, made a good point. I think it was on the signing day show that, you know, reps early is really good and important. And, you know, if, if he's on your fantasy team for our purposes to manage our own teams, you might want to see that flop as soon as possible. And I don't mean flop as in do poorly. I mean, see the flop, like see what he's got. Put the lights on. Let's see it. Does it transfer all the stuff we saw in high school? And so, yeah, and I also think QBs, really make the make the playmakers you know qbs make the receivers i don't think it's the other way around and so even if they have some subpar talent at wide receiver if dylan rayola is really that good and a future first run nfl pick um i think you know he'll do just fine and you'll still be able to see evidence of that talent um and i'm not too worried about nebraska it's weird but like when i really take a step back i'm not that worried about it from a you know, prospect fantasy point of view. If he's good, he's going to be good. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, we'll see it early. And I think what you said, we'll see the flop early where you talk like poker reference. Is that what yeah. you Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Nice. Nice. A big poker guy over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. You want to see it early. And we kind of saw it with Dante Moore. Uh, you know, he got some of those growing pains out early in the year. Now I think they kind of bungled that situation down the stretch. Um, and it led to him obviously transferring, but we at least got to see him on the field. And he got some of these live game reps, which I think are really important. Uh, and Dylan Rayola should get those as well then. Uh, we'll move into two of the other connected flips here. We had Jordan Lyle uh, running back four-star flipping from Ohio State to Miami, which caused the domino of Kevin Riley, also four-star running back, flipping from Miami to Alabama. Uh, you guys had, had mentioned uh, on, I think, last week's official episode that this could uh, be in the cards here. And uh, you guys, I know, are big James Peoples fans. So Jordan Lyle moving to Miami, are we, we liking that move a little bit better for him rather than going to Ohio State having to compete with Peoples? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I like Lyle. Uh, I'm sorry, David, but go ahead. I, I like Lyle, but yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, it's always good that guys spread out, you know. Ohio State was kind of double-dipped in the class there. Peoples and Lyle, I think both solid players probably would have cut into each other fantasy-wise. fantasy, fantasy wise. So, you know, just to get that spread out. And, you know, Riley being from Alabama, we kind of figured once Lyle flipped to Miami that that was going to happen. So this is kind of the best-case scenario, especially if you're bullish on all three of these guys. Like, they're spread out. Um Fairly good landing spots for all three of them, but that's that's generally what we want is to spread the talent out. Yeah, I mean, I know I hate seeing all these backs go to the same school. You know, I mean, this year we have three guys going to Georgia and Frazier and um, Peoples Junior. Um, or no, Phil, not Phillips Junior. Phillips Junior. I, I always think of Dwight Peebles when I see if him. <laughs> Dwight Phillips Junior. Um, so yeah, I, I do like when they spread out as well. There, any either of these guys we think can make an impact early in year one. I'm assuming probably not from from Riley, but what about Lyle early on in in that Miami backfield? I mean, I don't think they really have a main guy returning this year, do they? I mean, I know Cheney transferred out. Fletcher, um, Fletcher was pretty good. <clears throat> oh yeah, of course, Fletcher. Still, I I think they have relatively different roles there. Uh, I don't think Lyle will be the main back his first year, obviously. But uh, you know, I, I would prefer him over Fletcher myself. 
Yeah, I was never that impressed with Fletcher as a prospect, but I mean, he looked okay this year. I think he's just kind of a battering ram, uh, and and you know they'll use him to close games and and just to kind of lean on other teams. But I think there's a role for yeah, a change of pace guy for sure. Yeah, I know we weren't as a site very high on Fletcher last year. Right. Um, I, I'm not really a big fan of the bowling ball <laughs> style running back either. So just from what I have seen so far, I I do think Lyle. I like Lyle more than I like Fletcher. Yeah, I like Lyle quite a bit. And if he's really over 200, which someone mentioned that they saw that he had he had you know gotten up over 200. I mean, on 24-7, he's still 180. But if he's really pushing 200, over 200 by the time he gets on campus, I like what I've seen on tape. Yeah. Uh, and then the other probably biggest surprise flip that we had on on signing day uh, was Jeremiah McClellan, the wide receiver, four-star, flipping from Ohio State and that loaded class with Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham, flipping over to Oregon. And that Oregon doesn't really have another top receiver in this class. So we'll, I'll throw this one over here to Mr. Big Wide Receiver Guy himself. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Jeremiah McClellan going from Ohio State to Oregon uh, and the potential opportunity that he has over there. Yeah, I was actually pretty happy with it. I've been uh, hoping for a flip for a little while now, just because, you know, Ohio State already has two amazing uh, recruits in this class and Jeremiah Smith and Miley Graham. And, uh, you know, just the likelihood of them breaking year one zero at Ohio State was, you know, pretty low, even though he's a player that uh, I'm a very big fan of his game. Super well-rounded guy, uh, a dog on the field, really good after the catch. Uh, so I, I honestly think he could make an immediate impact role there at Oregon. Uh, you know, maybe not a full-time starter, but someone that can at least rotate in uh, just, you know, with his versatile skill set alone, he can do a little bit of everything for them. So uh, I, I was really happy with that. I loved it. The only other team that I would probably like a little bit more was Missouri, but mm. can't complain. Well, I think with, Oregon too. They, they're losing presumably Troy Franklin to the NFL draft. I would also pre probably presume that Tez Johnson leaves as well, follows his brother Nick, uh, Bo Nix out the door. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity there at Oregon. You know, they had Jerry on Dickey, who was a guy that, you know, we was fairly highly rated last year. Uh, didn't really do much this year, but McClellan, I don't know. I think he, he could fit that Will Stein offense pretty well. Um, David, were you a fan of the, the flip to Oregon there as well? Yeah, just uh, way more accessible to get on the field in year one, which was exactly what we want to see. So, yeah, I think he'll be, I think it's a good system for him as well. All right, looking for an early impact there from McClellan, hopefully. Uh, and then the last flip of sorts that we had here, this one was a couple days in the making prior to signing day as well. But Courtney Crutchfield uh, flips from Arkansas to Missouri. Uh, big wide receiver guy, you were saying you liked uh, Missouri as a landing spot. Do you like this landing spot for Courtney Crutchfield? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think that'll uh, suit him pretty well. He's definitely uh, kind of fits the athletic mold I think they're looking for. He's pretty long, fast, explosive type wide receiver. Uh, maybe not the most refined, but... Uh, you know, I think it could be like a really good uh, Z vertical threat, push it deep a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I, I like that offense, of course. And uh, Burton's not going to be there forever. So, Presumably leaving after this year, I would think, with the years that he's put together yeah. already. Um, uh, Alfred, are you, uh, you a big fan of the Missouri class here? Are you liking the crutch field flip as well? Yeah, you know, I was, I was looking at, 
we're getting ready for the show, thinking about some favorite classes. And, you know, when you look at just from a fantasy angle, it does make the classes look a little different. And I think they're sneaky good. Uh, I love Kwan Lacey. He was truly one of my favorite running backs in the class, regardless of ranking or anything. Just my personal ranking was very high for Kwan Lacey. Um, Crutchfield's exciting. He's kind of raw, but he's exciting. Uh, Aiden Glover did not have the senior season we were hoping for, but this is a guy that we've talked about on the official a lot. Kind of an exciting, dynamic quarterback. He'll get to marinate for a year or two. Um, and then at the top, they have, um, well, Crutchfield, uh, and then James Madison from St. Thomas Aquinas, not necessarily a guy I love, but like, I do like, uh, guys from St. Thomas Aquinas. They're usually, you know, pretty pro or like, you have a professional mindset. They come in ready to contribute, even if they're maybe not always the most athletically gifted. Uh, and he's a son of, I think, former corner, uh, no. I don't know. Is he Sam Madison's kid? But I don't know. Uh, no maybe, maybe not. A lot of times the legacy guys will go to schools like St. Thomas Aquinas. I know Madison was out of, uh, went to, played for the Dolphins for a long time too. So he's from South Florida. So I have no idea. However, yeah, I think they're sneaky good. I mean, I like their, their QB one, running back one, wide receiver one. There's not a lot of classes I can say that about. Well, one class I think we can say that about at least QB one wide receiver one is my favorite class here. And I think this is pretty universal for, for fantasy purposes in terms of one of the best classes you could have asked for out there. Uh, and that's Auburn. You know, they get your guy, Walker White, a uh, friend of the official. Uh, mm -hmm. We had him on on signing day as well. You guys talked to him directly on early signing day. So if you guys have not listened to that yet go definitely check that out on the youtube check out the interview with walker white talking about him and the uh the freeze four uh the, the other wide receivers that they brought in and there were some big names there cam coleman five star he's number eight uh wide player in the uh class perry thompson another five star and then they bring in two four stars as well malcolm simmons and bryce kane i mean i think this is just about as good of a class as you could have asked for, for, for Hugh Freeze in his first recruiting class. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'll throw this one over to you, Alfred here with your guy Walker white and how he's set up for success. Are, are you as big of a fan of this class as I am? Yeah. I mean, it probably would have, I, I was trying to be a little different, you know, not just give the same class, but honestly, it probably would have been my favorite when you're thinking about fantasy relevance, especially early fantasy relevance. I mean, this is the class that you're going to want to look at because I think Walker White, there's a chance he gets on the field. Uh, if not full time, I think they'll get him on the field in some looks. Um, maybe like a Tebow type deal. Uh, his freshman season at UF, he did a lot of goal line and a lot of you know short rushing touchdowns and then kind of go off of that with some play action, some different things. Um, I think you could see that from Walker White. And then the receivers, like – I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, there's almost nobody. You can hardly say that about a depth chart, but I think there's almost nobody in their way um, to come in and, and be productive and, and lead the team. One of those guys could lead the team. I don't know which one necessarily. I mean, my money would be on Cam Coleman, but uh, Walker White was talking up the other two as very fast. Uh, I think um, one of them, uh, Kane maybe is that one of the guys uh, I'm not too familiar with him Walker's like he's gonna be an awesome slot for us so like he's already you know penciling him in at the 
that position. And so I think these guys are going to get on the field pretty quickly. And it's not, not technically included in the freshman recruiting class, but uh, they got Robert Lewis from Georgia State, who's like right. a, a good player who that guy's probably going to come and start immediately. So then there's two other positions. Um, yeah, I just think from fantasy, early production, exciting players in a vacuum anyway, plus early playing time. I don't know if there's another class that really matches all those check boxes other than Auburn this year. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that that is just top to bottom one of the best classes that you, you could hope for for fantasy purposes. Um, David, are you a fan as big of a fan of this class, especially at the wide receiver position? Yeah, I think you have to be. They, all these receivers have huge upside. Even the four-star guys like Malcolm Simmons, he's crazy, explosive, super athletic, really good mover. Bryce Kane, he's only been playing receiver for two years, and he actually had like really good production this year, which was surprising to see. Um, yeah, Walker mentioned that he probably runs in the four threes, so all these dudes are sub four five guys probably. And you're gonna uh, have the uh, really roommate roommate narrative, I think, with Kane. He said, "Yeah, I, did. I picked up on that one." Yeah, so he might be the best after. He might be the best guy after all. All of a sudden, done, even though he's ranked the lowest, but probably not. I mean, hey, we love the roommate narrative there. Um, brother connection in, in Oregon um, is probably the only thing that beats the roommate narrative. Um, <laughs> but I, I watched a little bit of Bryce Kane after listening to the, the show there uh, yesterday uh, and listening to Bryce um, talking about or I mean, listen to Walker talk about uh, his the potential for rooming with him. And, and I did really like what I saw out of Bryce Kane, I think he would be a really good fit in the slot there. And they don't have another one of those guys in that class. So um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic on, on Bryce Kane. That was my first watch of him uh, last night, but I was, I was impressed. Um, Matt, I know you're, you're a lot further into this class than I am. Are you uh, getting a little bullish on, on Kane here, especially maybe with the roommate narrative? Uh, to be honest, I, I can't. Uh... I, I'm not going to bet on uh, four wide receivers becoming uh, college fantasy or NFL relevant. I think uh, Cam or uh, yeah, Cam Coleman flipping uh, ultimately put the nail in the coffin for Bryce Kane and Malcolm Simmons to me, uh, just because you know they're the, the likelihood of them getting drafted or being CFF productive is just low. They're going to be stuck behind you know not just Perry Thompson, Cam Coleman, but now Robert Lewis and whoever else. Uh, Hugh Freeze is able to get in because he's just a fantastic recruiter. Ryan Williams might flip there before, uh, you know, this next national sign day is uh, said and done. So uh, it's just hard for me to bound guys like that. I actually do like them a lot. If they were to end up flipping, uh, they would definitely get a good grade boost for me. But uh, I can't say, you know, as fantasy assets for your uh, college side team, you know, it's just not going to do it for me. Fair enough. We need a little bit of cold water sometimes. <laughs> Um, all right, David, who, uh, who you had a favorite class here um, out, out of this. It was a little bit different than uh, than Alfred and I's. Yeah, I mean, my favorite is Auburn, but I just wanted to put a little honorable mention of Texas Tech here only because I know it's a weird answer, but I think this is the first five-star they've ever had with Micah Hudson at Texas Tech. So I thought that was a, a huge, huge recruiting win for them. I think he's going to come in right away and be a star. Um, and then, like, they've struggled at quarterback. I don't – I mean, it's. I think it's Barron Morton and um, Jake Strong. I think he played a decent amount uh, as a freshman. But, like, Will Hammond, he's just another guy. 
he might be marginally better than those guys. You know, if they if those guys struggle again, maybe he can be an early contributor. But he's like a satellite quarterback. Um, he could be decent down the line. And um, they also got Jacoby Williams. I kind of like him. He's like a smaller running back. I kind of like some of these fun small running backs running out of like an air raid where they have more they have bigger running lanes and stuff and can catch a decent amount of passes. I don't think he's like a stud or anything, but you know he could be he could be something. He could turn into something for sure. You know, I know um, Real Analytics gave him like a really high athletic score. And he actually has really good high school production, like one of the best production profiles in the class, actually. So I don't know. He he's kind of sneaky, I think. But uh, just like maybe like an underrated class, not like my favorite class. Hey, underrated works here as well. And they I know they also have um, Cameron Dickey, too, who Austin has hyped up a little bit behind the scenes here. Are you guys uh, big fans of Dickey as well, or you, do you prefer um, uh, Williams? Yeah, I like Dickey, too. He's uh, he's the bigger of the of the two guys. Like, he's already 200. I think he's 5'10", 200. So he's probably more of the workhorse out of those two. But, yeah, he's definitely an interesting player too. I was kind of hoping he would uh, fill in that Taj Brooks role if Taj Brooks left, but Taj Brooks does sound like he's coming back. So um, Jacoby Williams would be a good lightning to that thunder there potentially. Uh, And then maybe Dickie just has to wait another year. But all right, we'll get into some early impact players here. Guys that, you know, you think you could have a role in year one. And uh, I see some some big names on this list here as well and i see two other names that i'm not very familiar with um alfred i'll throw it over to you first here because you've got uh one of your guys on here a guy you mentioned briefly earlier who's a player that you think could have an early impact so i've got uh lacy kwan lacy one of my favorite running backs going to missouri um maybe this is a good time to double check but i would imagine schrader schroeder's gotta be done i know he was like juco then another college and then missouri for two or three years so he's got to be done and he emerged as a full-blown workhorse towards the second half of the season i know he was kind of splitting early but then just went crazy uh i don't think they've got a really established back now it doesn't mean it, they've got nobody i mean these these schools always have somebody and there's a transfer portal but you know usually teams are running two two or even three backs at a time i know schrader took over this year but like normally you're going to have another guy get some run. I think Lacey should be in the in the mix early if he's as good as I think he is. I know he – What this class is kind of weak. And Lacey was one of the guys who wasn't super efficient this year, unfortunately, which usually – you know, but there's not a lot of guys that are that efficient. Uh, if you listen to the official at all this year, like there's just nobody you can really feel as a slam dunk running back prospect hardly at all. Um, but I like what I see. I think he's very – He's a very fun player. I think he's got a lot of tools. I think he can do a lot of things. Um, and so if he can just refine and uh, get better uh, at the little things, he's got like power. He's got speed. He's got creativity. He's got moves, you know, kind of juking moves. And he'll, he can just evade defenders in different ways. I like all that. And he looks like a pretty good receiver. So, And he's over 200 pounds. So he's all the things that we kind of want in a prospect. And then I think the landing spot's pretty good. Yep, I think it is a good landing spot. They do bring in Marcus Carroll from Georgia State, uh, who was a, a good G5 running back. But 
you know, the, the step up from G5 to P5 doesn't always work out. Carson Steele was a disappointment. Um, Aiden yep. Robbins was a disappointment as well. So I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I was a big fan of, of uh, Taboris Jones when he came out, but I don't think he's going to be a thing anymore. It seemed, yeah, I, I know that I think Felix liked him too, but um, yeah. He was just such a good receiver. If he could have figured it out as a running back, I thought he could have been been really fun out of the backfield, but alas, not to be. Mm, alas. Um, so David, who is a player that you expect to have an early impact here in year one? I put down TJ Moore as one of my guys. He's a receiver going to Clemson. Um, I didn't want to do any like the super obvious names, so I went down the board a little bit. I think he's the composite wide receiver 18. Um, but Clemson, so of their primary wide receivers, nobody had an eight out above 10. He is a really good vertical separator. Um, according to Matt's charting, his eight out in high school was 21, which is one of the higher eight outs in the class. Um, conversely, Bryant West goes coming to this class, his eight out was 8.5. I just think the, they could use a guy to stretch the field a little bit. Now, maybe part of that is just like the offensive system and stuff, and maybe Klubnik is a little bit noodly and stuff, but they could definitely use a guy to, to stretch the field, I think. And I, I think he could be that guy. Okay, easy to see a role for him. So you said there wasn't really any speedy field stretcher. They had um, Brown, who was just kind of the slot guy, and then they have their big guys on the outside that they always have. but. They are losing Bo Collins, so there could be a, a role opening up there for more. Um, I I need to look into the uh, the charting that you guys do more um, than than what I do because that work you guys do behind the scenes is just insane in some of the chartings, and I I always forget to pull those up until you guys mention it, and then I just go on a, a binge and just look at all the charting and all the data that you guys have put together, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, so I'll have to look into that for for more and, and some of these other wide receivers. But uh, Matt, I'll throw it over to you here. Uh, who's a, a player that you expect to have an early impact year one here? Uh, yeah, the first one up I have here is Johan Cardenas. Uh, we've been talking about him for you know almost a year now on the official. Uh, he's committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, they obviously had uh, Cedric Alexander last year, who uh, you know did decent for a true freshman starter or well rotational player. They kind of split time there. Uh, I, I think. Cardenas can kind of come in and really take that lead back role. Uh, you know, he's got the athletic profile we're looking for. He's a really good receiver, uh, just a good runner in general, very productive this year, uh, although not playing against, you know, the toughest competition at times. Uh, you know, I, I think he has one of the better, more well-rounded overall profiles of you know, the running backs in his class, which most of them are um, pretty not great. So uh, he's one I'm willing to bet on at least since, you know, the depth chart is, limited there and uh he's just a pretty good back i think you guys were saying that he had been injured was his junior year and that's why he maybe ended up at vanderbilt and getting the bigger offers is that who i'm thinking uh, of yeah well he had, he had you know sec offers too he had uh missouri was the, his other big school that he was considering going to which you know i wouldn't have hated uh but yeah he did tear his acl at the end of his junior season okay uh, and then missed some time at the beginning of this season. I don't know if he had some complications with it or something because he did do track and field uh, his junior year after tearing his ACL too. So uh, he was able to compete there at least. So we don't really know what happened, but 
uh, once he showed up back on the field senior year, I mean, he looked great. He was uh, you know, as good as ever move, movement-wise, and he took the knee brace off after a few weeks. So it was good to see. Yeah, that's always encouraging, um, getting back to full strength there, and Vanderbilt's going to need it. I mean, they have lost pretty much every quarterback on their roster, pretty much every wide receiver that they had on their team. So they're going to need a focal point of that offense. I could see Kirk <laughs> having a having a big uh, – at least some sort of a, a receiving role right out of the gate there. Uh, but Alfred, uh, I see you also have Cardenas written down here. Uh, you're also a big fan of Cardenas. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I put him just because I feel like we have to. Uh, it's we're contractually obligated to pump him up every single show that we do. But Matt said it best, and it's Vandy, so I think they, you know, he should be be able to get on the field pretty early. And and yeah, we just we like him as a player, and we haven't really wavered and put up a good senior season. I don't know, not much to 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 throw cold water on there. Fair enough, um, David. Your next name here is actually not one that I am familiar with, so I'm really interested to hear why you think this guy is going to have an impact in year one. Yeah, I got uh, Darian Dupree as one of my picks here. Kind of a squirrely pick, but he's like he is—he got my second highest receiving grade for running backs. Um, he had a bunch of production as a junior as a receiver, and then this year he had 20 receptions for over 700 yards, like uh, like 30 some yards per per reception. So, uh, but he makes—he has some really impressive catches on film. Um, I think the Longo offense they really like to use. Um, he likes to use these running backs as receivers, but they just don't quite have the personnel to do so. You know, they were using Braylon Allen in that role quite a bit this year. Uh, we, we mentioned it on a show prior, like he had like 28 catches for like 150 yards or something like that. You know, he was only getting like, I don't know, five yards a catch or less, less than that. So, um, they could really use somebody with that type of skill set and i think because all they all they have after that i think is yakimeli i'm not i'm not really <laughs> i don't really know yakimeli very well i don't know if he's played very much but uh they have ches malusi coming back he got injured i think he saved a year of eligibility because he got hurt at the right time i guess i think he only played four games so he didn't he didn't burn a year and then they have jackson napper who's like this big guy who's like essentially a fullback um so basically, it's do I think he's going to be like most most of the time? I'm not going to say like any of these freshmen are going to be like fantasy relevant, but I do think that he fits he fits the offense and he fits the role. And his high school offense is a pretty pretty similar style, so I think his transition won't be that hard. Uh, so I could definitely see him contributing as a freshman. And we we like receiving backs in Phil Longo offenses, like you mentioned, and I think with what we saw from Wisconsin's offense last year, they really struggled to throw it downfield. So there could be a lot of dump offs for a guy like Dupree. So Darian Dupree, definitely a name to tuck away. Like I said, I, that's not one that I was very familiar with coming into this one. Uh, Matt, you have another name here on the list uh, that I also think could have, have a big impact here in year one. So uh, Matt, who's, who's your next guy here on your list? Yeah, another guy going into Phil Longo offense here, and uh, we've been talking about him pretty much weekly on the official for quite a while now. Uh, Kyan Barry Johnson, uh, we love him. Super uh, underrated by the services, I think. And uh, I, I think he just has a really good, well-rounded profile. 
He's a good route runner. He's good after the catch. He has some of the best ball skills in his catch. I mean, he he has like a full blown like two minute highlight reel of just you know one handed grabs that are pretty pretty nice. And uh, he has you know the lineup versatility, so he could end up being you know the next slot there. And you know everyone always talks about you want that slot in the Phil Longo offense. So um, that's what I'm kind of hoping on for him there. And you know it's not exactly a super crowded wide receiver room either. So, uh, you know, I, I just like the combo there, the talent and the landing spot. Yeah, I mean, I was turned on to Kyan Barry Johnson by you guys on the official there. And then ever since I looked into him, I, I, I'm i a big fan of, of slot guys in that Phil Longo offense. I was pumping up Will Pauling this year. And, I mean, he was the most productive wide receiver, but that's also uh, not saying a lot because there was not a lot of production in that room. So hopefully they can get some better quarterback play. And Kyle Barry Johnson, I think, can take over uh, early as well. So I, I liked that call. I'm, I'm just glad to see you put him on the list. Uh, and then Alfred, who's uh, who's your last one that you have as an early impact player? Who is my last one? Oh yeah, going with the same narrative. Uh, I'm not getting too creative here with G5 guys or anything just yet. Um, but uh, Cam Coleman. I mean, you got to pick a guy at Auburn. Uh, I think and. I, I think I just have him highest rated. I like him a lot. He's your big, kind of your big traditional X receiver, which I've been like leaning away from those guys just because there's so few that truly are elite and, you know, go high in the NFL draft type thing. But I really like what he put on paper. And I mean, he could be a guy that, that you know, gets 400, 500 yards as a freshman, potentially. Um, they obviously know they need receivers, right? They're bringing in, four freshmen and a transfer and still trying to flip Ryan Williams. So like they know their depth chart stinks. They bring in these big guys and uh, I think someone could pop right away. So I would put my money on Coleman. So that's why he's there. Never a bad bet on a five star. Um, yeah. David, uh, who is your last early impact player here? I put down James Peoples going to Ohio State with the stipulation that Trevion Henderson declared. I, I don't know. It's it's starting to sound like he might come back. It seems up in the air at this point. Uh, but if he does declare, that room, that running back room is kind of cleared out, honestly. It's like Mayan Williams declared for the draft, and then you got Evan Pryor and Chip Train. And both went into the portal, I think. One went to Cincinnati, one went to Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. And then yep. it's pretty much Dale and Hayden. Um, Super solid running back. I like him, but then I guess him. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some other guys I'm not aware of, but so I think he could get on the field um, if the, if Trevion does leave, and maybe he could be fantasy relevant. Maybe he could outplay um, Dallin Hayden down the stretch. We'll, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think the uh, the appeal of Dallin Hayden, at least for me, was the assumption that Mayan Williams was going to be gone and Trevion Henderson was going to declare. And we saw a little bit from Dallin Hayden in his freshman year, but it's mostly the opportunity. So if Travion does declare, then we could see James Peoples push uh, push Hayden for that role. Because I don't think – I think Hayden's good, but he's not the type of guy who's going to relegate somebody if James Peoples is that good. <clears throat> uh, and then, Matt, your last name here is a name that I know only because you guys mentioned him like once, uh, but – I'm interested to hear actually what this player is like. So Matt, who's your last guy? 
Yeah, so I, I kind of went with a deeper guy here in uh, Mika Alejado. He is uh, committed to Hawaii, and uh, he's definitely more of like a CFF dynasty t- style pick. Uh, he's you know only five foot ten, one hundred sixty pounds. The uh, NFL is not going <laughs> to like that. But uh, I mean, he he has been the starting quarterback at uh, Bishop Gorman for two years now, maybe three. Uh, just had a fantastic season there after losing uh, you know, his big weapon in Zachariah Branch and still went undefeated. Uh, I believe Max Preps declared them the na- team of the you know the pseudo national champions, even though there is an official. Uh, national championship, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I think the combination of him going to Hawaii uh, in that Timmy Chang offense, uh, which you know looked a bit better this year for sure. Uh, they're losing Braden Schrager. He uh, he entered the transfer portal. I don't think Good they've gotten anybody else. He, yeah, I don't think they are uh, going to get a highly coveted guy in. And I think uh, Alejado could honestly just start year one, just straight up. I, I think they recruited and went after him hard. Uh, he. You know, there was a lot of teams pushing from the states. Obviously, G5 teams, uh, you know, P5 guys aren't going to bet on too many 5, 10, 160 pound guys. But, um, I mean, he's just a fun player, good, good, uh, kind of point guard style quarterback, not going to do too many risky plays, uh, good with his feet. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think he's going to be like a stud on your CFF side for uh, multiple years. I hope so because I started recruiting him in the program when I saw you mention him. Um, yeah, I just so, landed him last week. Well, <laughs> fingers crossed. Nobody is on him yet, but I do know that in my in my conference. But uh, I do know that people listen to this show, so hopefully, I got enough of a lead build up here because um, I, I think Hawaii quarterbacks in that run and shoot system, it's it's what we wanted. Braden Shager, I think, is just not very good. So maybe uh, maybe Alejado yeah. can can buck that trend. Yeah, he's very fun. Um, all right. So next we have some year one zero risks. And for anybody who's listening, may not be familiar. Uh, Austin, my co-host, sort of, because he's never here anymore. Uh, and Chris Moxley over at our website developed a theory that if a wide receiver did not hit uh, any of these eight specific metrics, uh, in their first year, then the odds of them being successful drop dramatically. There's only three, I believe, uh, wide receivers who have been year one zeros and have not or have had a top 24 wide receiver season in the NFL. Um, so the eight metrics are 10 receptions, 100 receiving yards, five rushing attempts, 15 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, um, 10 total touches. Um, 115 scrimmage yards or five returns. Um, And these are very, very low bars. So it's just really getting on the field, earning a role. And this is something we always want to pay attention to every year. We have high ranked guys that miss these metrics, guys like Jerion Dickey this past year, guys Mm -hmm. like Cordell Russell, um, Shelton Sampson. um, All of these guys have missed these metrics and they were all ranked pretty highly. Brandon Innes is, is on life support. Um, so this is a, an important identifier for wide receivers. So we'll look at these guys who are ranked in the top 300 out of these guys. Who are some of the biggest risks at being a year one zero this next year? And Alfred, I'll throw it over to you here first. 
Um, do you have anybody yeah. that really stands out? <clears throat> Looking at this, uh, kind of getting ready for the show, uh, and I just think, and I honestly, probably will get some agreement here. Ryan Wingo going to Texas uh, has a lot of things working against him, really painting the picture for year one zero, in my opinion. Like the, I think the depth chart's still fairly, fairly thick. Um, plus he's raw. So even on a thin depth chart, I'd be a little concerned. Um, but, you know, Matt can elaborate a little bit more. He's watched like his full games and broken them down play by play, but he's very raw. He's one of these just like classic, like athletes you hope grows into the refined uh, receiver position. And those guys as a group, I think we're all a little out on them. But then combined with that, I think, you know, Worthy's going to go to the NFL. Whittington probably doesn't have another year left. I mean, he might with COVID and everything. But um, I just think their depth chart's still fairly stacked. I think they got at least one in the portal already. So I just think that Wingo is going to be a year one zero. I would put, I would actually put money on that. I think, yeah, Texas did sign uh, Matthew Golden out of the portal. Yep. Uh, and then with Evan Stewart entering the portal as well, they were heavily connected to Stewart in his freshman year. Uh, so there's a poten another potential roadblock for for Ryan Wingo. Um, Matt, is there anybody on this list that really stood out to you as a as a threat to being a year one zero? Uh, yeah, well, Wingo is really the big one for me that I've kind of been uh, hammering for a bit now. Uh, I mean, the sad thing is only like 14 of these guys are going to break year one zero. Uh, yeah, that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, I can just uh, grab a name here. Nick Marsh I'll go with. Uh, <laughs> coming into a new system there with Jonathan Smith now there at Michigan State. Uh, you know, another guy that you know isn't exactly a, a refined receiver. He's good at a few things. He's pretty good contested. Uh, I mean, he's kind of just a big body guy. Not the greatest athletic tester either. Uh, yeah, just definitely a guy that I'm a bit uh, concerned about. I think that's very fair too. That that Michigan State offense, we don't really know what that's going to look like next year. I mean, they're bringing in Jonathan Smith, they're bringing in Aiden Childs. Uh, we like Aiden Childs, but you know, we haven't really seen that much of him. Man, just a handful of snaps here is going to be jumping into the the deep end in the Big Ten. So I honest, think that's I mean, a good I, call. I think Jonathan Smith's a, a good coach, like like globally a good coach. Um, I mean, but you know, we, we really didn't think of Oregon state as like offensive smorgasbord. So <laughs> they may be good. I, I don't think that means anything for like these guys to be like, Oh, they have a chance to do something because it's still going to probably be a pretty boring brand of football. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Smith's big thing with his offenses have been the running backs. Like Damian Martinez yeah. um, looked good. They had, um, not Jalen Warren. I can't think of the other one who was there. Oh, um, uh, he was there for years and went yeah. to the Lions. Uh, but yeah. he was good for like four, all four years that he was there. I can't yeah, remember I don't know why Jalen Warren's name popped in my head, but I knew that was wrong. So, but yeah, they've had several successful running backs at the uh, at at Oregon State, and not too many wide receivers. So I think Nick Marsh was a good call. Um, David, is there anybody that you really wanted to call out as as a year one zero threat that was on this list? Uh. I'll just pile on Ryan Ring Wingo real quick, just because he's so highly ranked. Um, just got some stats here to drive home the point a little bit uh, from Matt's charting. 
So his contested target rate is 44%. Um, going from college to NFL, like being above 30% is like very concerning. Uh, so just to have 44% contested target rate in, in high school is just like real bad. So his average yards of separation is 0.27, which is in the seventh percentile. And so basically he, he struggles to get open in high school. So, um, so I don't know. I kind of think like, like Hakeem Williams is like somewhat like that where it's like, I kind of thought like, okay, well, Hakeem Williams, you know, he doesn't really separate very well. It doesn't run, run, he doesn't really run really good routes or whatever, but like I could see him like housing a screen or two and like avoiding your, you know, the year one zero, but it'd be kind of like fake a little bit. So I don't know. I could see Ryan Wingo like avoiding it in that respect or just, I think one of the thresholds is like just like a 15 yard run or something. So it's like, yeah, he could get some end around and get 15 yards and like, he's fine. But like, regardless, his charting is really concerning. Um, so he seems like an overrated prospect. Um, but I guess quickly, I'll just say like Mike Matthews. I don't know. I'm I'm like nervous with Tennessee guys. Like I kind of liked mm -hmm. Caleb Webb uh, two classes ago. I kind of liked Nathan Leacock a little bit last class. And like these these guys just haven't done anything in Tennessee. Like he's probably a better prospect than that. But um, Austin actually kind of convinced me on on Mike Matthews. I think I was a little too high on him. I think his movement is a little restricted. He's kind of, he's kind of tight. His route running is not real refined. He is, he is athletic and he has pretty sweet basketball highlights, but I don't, I don't know if that's enough for him to like get on and contribute very much as a freshman. So I, I'd be a little bit nervous uh, for a guy that's ranked so high. Yeah. I, I was a big fan of Caleb uh, Webb and Nathan Leacock as well. And not, they just have not done anything. I don't think either of them really saw the field. So that the Tennessee wide receivers do have me a little worried as well. Um, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I think I would also be wary of any of the Notre Dame wide receivers. I know they just had a massive exodus of their wide receivers, but they did also just bring in two. So uh, they brought in Bo Collins, Chris Mitchell, um, so I'm worried about Cam Williams is really the, the main one there, but they also have um, Micah Gilbert, who's a little bit further down the list. But any of those Notre Dame guys are always guys that I'd be worried about. Um, Alfred, is there anybody that you like as a wide receiver? That you're a big fan of their game, but you are a little worried that they could hit that dreaded year one zero. Um, well, I really like Mylon Graham. Uh, but anytime you're going to Ohio State, although the room is a little thinner than it has been, but anytime you're going to Ohio State, I think there's a concern that uh, there. Um, I really like I really like Bryant Wesco, um, but I also I like both the Clemson guys, Wesco and uh, David. I think mentioned uh, now he's I'm free. Oh, T.J. Moore. And so I like both of those guys. So, I mean, one of them probably won't hit or will hit a year one zero. Um, and so, and I would probably say I like more a little better. So, yeah, the second guy on the Clemson offense, although sometimes they play a lot of freshmen. So, um, yeah, but I like, well, you know, I like, I like his game. I like Brian Wesco, but, you know, and Mylon Graham. I think those would be the two guys that I legitimately like on tape, but, would be worried just because of the depth chart. Yeah, I think the 
Ohio State worry is is always valid, especially when they just brought in three top ten guys in last year's class in Tate, Every year. Ennis, and um, Noah Rogers, and then they bring in another two studs. And, and apparently, well, Noah Rogers is a zero. I mean, mm-hmm. Noah Rogers didn't even play, and I liked Noah Rogers, but and he may transfer or he may not be good. I mean, it's it's a little hard to tell this early, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, you can go and be a top ten receiver and not even get a freaking snap. Yep. Um, big wide receiver guy, Matt, anybody that you really like as a prospect that you think could be a year one zero? Uh, a few days ago, I would have said Jeremiah McClellan, but luckily we did get that flip. Uh, for now, I'll say Nitro Tuggle, although he's also kind of on flip watch too. I believe he just took Ooh. a visit to LSU. But um, you know, betting on any Georgia wide receiver to break out year one is uh, becoming very <laughs> unlikely. Uh, based on the trend we have seen. And, uh, you know, he's not a super uh, refined wide receiver. He definitely has some work to do, st- work to do still. Uh, but he also, you know, he's a very explosive player, has a fun skill set. So I, I do like him still. Just uh, don't love that spot for him. Very fair. Yeah, any Georgia wide receivers in general, it's hard to like too much. Um, last one, David, I'll throw this over to you here. Is there any player that you like as a prospect but are worried that they might end up with that dreaded year one zero. Um, let's see another name to come up with here. I'll go with, I'm just scanning Gatlin bear. No, that's cheating. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't know if, cause he's going on a mission, right? Yeah. He's going on a two year mission. We yeah. still don't know where he's going to school either. So yeah. I don't know if that would count. I'll have to check with yeah. Austin. Oh, I'll say, um, I'll say Nikar. I kind of like him. He's got tons of juice. I think the one thing with him is like he's he's. It sounds like from people that have seen like live viewings of him, he's like pretty inconsistent. Coaches generally don't like like if you're inconsistent, they generally don't like that. I think he's going to need some stuff, clean some stuff up. And I actually prefer Josiah Trader in the same class. I think he's more refined and more ready to go. So while I do like Carr, I think he's explosive. He hits 20, 20, 22 miles per hour. Uh, really good vertical threat and all that. I think uh, he, I think he'll need a little seasoning probably, and probably doesn't contribute, you know, until like year two. Yeah, I think that's a good shout out to on Josiah Trader, who is technically listed as an athlete, so I didn't add him here on the list, but I do like Josiah Trader as well. Um, Nikar, not somebody I'm overly familiar with, uh, other than I just watched his highlight tape and started recruiting him in the program because nobody else was on him. <laughs> Yeah. So the only thing, let's the hope thing he that, doesn't that bothers know. me, yeah, the thing that bothers me with Carr is he does have juice, like Dave said, but he just doesn't do – he's not creative with the ball in the hand, even though he's fast and he can run deep and he, he actually has some decent route running as well. Once he catches the ball, I don't see a lot happening. So, I mean, yeah, if he catches on the fly and he's already wide open, sure, he'll take it to the house. But, like, if he has to do anything creative, I just – he just kind of falls flat in high school. So I doubt that's going to get better in college. So those guys, I value Yak. I think that's a really nice skill set to have. Although I think he'll have a role in college and maybe even in NFL because he definitely has long speed for sure. All right. Well, last question here to wrap up the show. And this is, like I said, this is something we've gotten multiple times in the Discord. Uh, I think we've had uh, a couple people on Twitter asking about it too. It's, it's very top of mind right now. But these top tier programs seem to be 
really valuing veteran quarterbacks in the transfer portal. We have Will Howard connected to USC. We have Oregon bringing in uh, Dylan Gabriel. Um, a lot of schools are out there connected to Cam Ward. We have Notre Dame bringing in Riley Leonard. This is their second big transfer. So there's a lot of top-tier programs that are signing veteran QBs in the transfer portal when they already had some highly rated recruits on campus uh, in, in their previous classes. So how does the recent rise in the transfer portal affect your view of quarterback recruiting? And Alfred, I'll throw this one over here to you first. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I think it's a major talking point. Uh, everyone wants to wants to rub their hands together and fret about the portal and NIL and all the things that are changing with the game. I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, if you're a team and you're trying to make the playoff next year and you can roll out a guy that you have not seen too much outside of practice and you have some doubts, why wouldn't you go get Dylan Gabriel? You know, if the other answer was Austin Novosad and like, you know, we have people that like Austin Novosad in our group and at C2C. But if the coaches are like, I'm not sure about Novosad and we can get Gabriel, let's get Gabriel. Like, why wouldn't you do that? So, you know, veteran uh, leadership of the quarterback position, um, I think it is, is a great thing. And, and that, you know, coaches, uh, someone said earlier today, like, you don't like coaches don't like inconsistent. So you get a vet, you know what you're going to get, you know, he's going to run your offense. He's that's going to make coaches sleep at night. Um, and then the other thing is that I, I just, you know, quarterbacks, you want to see them early because it gives us data points to know what we're dealing with uh, on our fantasy teams, but it's not that big of a deal the same way that like year one zero is for wide receiver. And uh, you know, for running backs, you want to see them, get on the field early and go early to the NFL quarterbacks. It seems not quite the case. NFL will still draft you. If you're a fifth year guy, even or a senior fourth year, senior fifth year guy, even they'll still draft you first round first overall. I mean, we saw, I think Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow is a fifth year, but anyway, um, I don't think that's big as big of a concern to me. So I'm not that worried about recruiting. I'm still going to, you know, get the guys I think are talented uh, obviously if they get there, like Caleb. Okay. So a good example, and I'll, I'll shut it down here after this, but Malachi Nelson, we all loved him. I love him. My number one QB. He goes to USC. We're thinking heir apparent. He's not, he's not the heir apparent. He's transferring out. So we might've been wrong. I don't think the transfer portal caused that issue. I think he's not that good. In the old days, he would hang around. They bring in a transfer or, or they'd bring in somebody somehow and, and let him duke it out. There's more options for these players now, so he can leave. But I don't think the transfer portal made him bad. I think he just – he may not be that good. You look at his offer list now. It's like Cal and Tulane, TCU. I just think maybe he's not an elite player the way we thought he might have been. So I think the, the perception people are having is like that shine is wearing off a little quicker because we know more now and there's options for teams and players to make a change. Uh, whereas before we could cling to, well, you know, maybe he'll get a chance later. But now it's like they're obviously telling him, dude, you're not it or you're going to have to compete with somebody. And so we're learning sooner, uh, which is a hit to the pride. But otherwise, I don't think it's changing a whole lot. OK. All right. Matt, do you have any strong takeaway here uh, as far as how the transfer portal is affecting your view of quarterback recruiting? 
Uh, yeah, I think it's really making me bet more on the uh, CFF, you know, uh, suspectedly CFF uh, studs, at least, you know, guys like Michael, Mika Alhada, as I said earlier, or like Darius Curry in this class going to Colorado State. Because, uh, you know, I, I think pretty much everybody's going to be waiting two years anyway, so I might as well either bet on the guys that really have that high-end NFL upside or those guys I think can start in college early and be you know, a highly productive starter for your college team for a few years. Guys that are just like, you know, mid-level NFL talents or guys that are just going to hang around for a bit. I, like the, I feel like at a certain point they are just roster because There's not really too much of a point in, uh, for me to rank them high at least. So uh, that, that's kind of how I'm seeing it now. Everyone's going to have to wait two years unless you're, uh, you know, just going to a super perfect spot. Like Ray, real, you know, he's probably going to start year one more than likely. Uh, kind of a rare exception there. And if he doesn't, then, you know, it's definitely a big red flag on his profile. Yeah, if he can't beat out Henrik Harburg, uh, I think there's a problem. <laughs> um, all right, David, I'll throw some last over to you. Uh, as Has the transfer portal affected your view of quarterback recruiting at all? I think you. I, I. I guess you just have to be more patient and just wait for your guy to get your get his turn. I, I mean, it's it's frustrating too because it's like they just keep recycling these old guys that we they're already known commodities. We already know, but these coaches they want they want experienced players that you know that have gone through adversity and stuff. Like you have Hank Back Backmeyer. I mean, this guy's <laughs> going to be twenty five next year. You got, I think, KJ Jefferson's possibly entering his sixth year or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Casey Thompson just got his uh, seventh year approved today, I think. Yeah, seventh year. And I think he was old for a recruit, too. I think he was like a 19 National Signing Day age, too. So he might be 25 plus, too. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, if, if you're a college coach, you're worried about getting fired or whatever, maybe you just take some guy who's – more experienced, more ready to contribute right away. And rather than like letting some young quarterback come in and go through his lumps and try to develop that way. So it's just, it's a little frustrating because we, you know, we're so close to these guys. We've studied them so long and stuff. And we just want to see, we just, all right, is this guy good or not? Like, can we, can we see this guy play for the love of God? But yeah, I think you just have, I think you just have to wait basically and just be patient but yeah i don't know some of these guys i guess their value is a little insulate a little a little bit insulated even the guys that did play like dante Moore, i don't know he played but he i feel like he kind of hurt his value a little bit so it's just i don't know you can look at it a bunch of different ways yeah i think for me personally it affects the mid-level guys kind of like what matt was saying we're like i I, I'm still a big fan of Malachi Nelson. We have not seen Malachi Nelson at all. So I don't feel like I can say he's not good. I mean, if Lincoln Riley is coming out and saying that, and he said he wasn't going to be ready, you know, who knows? Maybe he wouldn't have been. But he's also a true freshman and has no real meaningful reps, and he would have had an entire offseason to get ready. So I am slower to move off quarterbacks in general. I'm thinking we're still going to be slower to move off some of these top guys, but these like mid-level guys that like Austin Novosad going to Oregon, where we thought there could be a succession plan here. Um, Lincoln Kineholtz going to Ohio state, even though that I, I didn't see quite as much of a succession plan there, but like those mid-level type guys, Kenny Minchie going to Notre Dame, 
another good example, a guy that I liked a lot. I was hoping he would step in and take yeah. over after Hartman. That's not going to be the case. I think those guys are guys that I'm going to start avoiding. You know, Minchie's a great example there because um, you're right. Yeah, like I mean, and I think it doesn't mean they're they're hopeless, but I think it probably means they're not future NFL guys. Like if they were a future NFL guy, they're showing enough probably as freshmen, even in practice, that like the team wouldn't feel like they need to go spend all this nil on bringing Riley Leonard in. So. I just think it doesn't mean they're horrible. It just means they're probably not like you're, you can just quit the hope of like their future NFL guy. I think, you know, meaningful NFL guy. I think another takeaway for me is that any top level quarterback recruit out there listening to this right now should go look at Penn state. Penn state had the succession plan. They gave it to Alar. They let him take his lumps let they're they're gonna they're gonna let you take your lumps you're gonna play there so go to penn state if you're a top level recruit don't go to usc they're just gonna recruit over you so there you go that's another one of my big takeaways yeah and then one last thing and just because i saw it on twitter and i thought it's relevant to this and you said colin that it's hurting the mid-level guys somebody Mm -hmm. said on twitter one of these announcements and whatever and someone's like bemoaning they were like oh you know covid year killed the quarterback and I responded, and was like, actually, COVID just killed the mid, the mid quarterback, like <laughs> the mid-level guys. They're recycling these super seniors and all this kind of stuff. But the elites are still the elites, and no one's going to recruit over or transfer portal over a a really good quarterback. But it did hurt the mid guys that maybe you were hoping for to get a chance, and you know, you're just learning they they really are mid. Yeah, and that hurts. That hurts to learn that a guy you liked was mid. Yeah, but all right. Thank you guys so much for joining me here, breaking down the recruiting class early signing day. You guys had a busy day yesterday um, at work early signing day. We're recruiting, recording this a couple days early with the Christmas holiday. So appreciate you guys taking the time out of your schedule during the Christmas to come on and help me out so I don't talk for an hour and 45 minutes by myself. <laughs> yeah, we love hearing you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So everybody out there, check out the official over on the YouTube. I'm guilty of it because I'm a podcast guy, but you really got to actually watch the official, see some of those clips, watch what you guys are talking about when you're talking about these prospects, because there's nobody doing what you guys are doing out there. And and am I biased? I don't think so, but there's literally (laughs) not a better recruiting show out there than the official. There literally is not anybody doing what David and Matt are doing. I mean, you know, yards of separation on prospects, like that's just not happening really anywhere else in any meaningful way. It's not. So thank you guys for coming on again. Thank you for all the hard work you guys do over at the website with all of the recruiting stuff. Uh, We got Alfred, Matt, big wide receiver guy, David at Solving Football. Appreciate it. I will be back next week. I'm not taking a hiatus. Don't worry. Wow. I don't have anything lined up yet, but I'll come up with something. That's going to do it. (laughs) Dedicated to the craft. All right. All right. And have a good one, guys. Good night. Thanks. Merry Christmas.